Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. Good advice. I'll try to do the same. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. But no promises. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets. For your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites now, by the way, including Stitcher, which I finally fixed, and Pandora. Pandora (laughs) is finally running the broadcast. About time. Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. we got a whole bunch of different stuff to get to today, or at least to try to get to today, including, uh, curiously enough, uh, even more good news from the right-wing corrupted U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday. What? Are they okay? <laughs> what is going on there? Hi, Des. Hi. That's Desi Doyen, of course, our producer. But yeah. just a, yes. Yes, I'll just note right for yes. now, at the, right at the top, yeah. that when the right wing supermajority on the Supreme Court puts out a nice feel good rights upholding yeah. Yeah. ruling, yeah. don't be fooled. They often follow that with their worst possible crazy stuff that they can come up with. That's just because you're a negative Nelly. <laughs> and, and I have experience. So, yeah, well, that's Supreme true. Court. That's true. You have plenty of experience. All right. But just to give you an idea of uh, how, let's start here to give you an idea of how the Trump mind virus works <laughs> and where it comes from and who ensures that the duped cult members stay duped and cult members. You may have heard this week uh, about Fox News, which uh, on their on on screen Chiron, their lower third of the screen on the day that Donald Trump was arraigned on the 37 federal felony charges in Miami. They used a caption on Fox that described Joe Biden as a, quote, wannabe dictator. Now, he wasn't in quotes. uh, You know, as if they were citing someone who had called him that or something. It was just stated as fact. The full quote read uh, below a a split screen of President Biden speaking at the White House and Donald Trump speaking to supporters at a fundraiser at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, after pleading not guilty earlier that day. 
The uh, full quote read, quote, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. That's what Fox told their viewers. Bad enough that it suggested Biden had his, quote, political rival arrested, which is already false. But calling him a wannabe dictator? Well, that is Fox. In a statement the following day, on Wednesday, a spokesperson for the network said, quote, the Chiron was taken down immediately and was addressed. It was addressed, Des. No details, though, right? No details. They did not say how it was addressed. The uh, spokesperson did not respond to uh, further questions about this, to ask if there would be any consequences for the staff member who was behind using that text in that graphic. Of course, while wannabe dictator was extreme, even by Fox standards, and only appeared for about 30 seconds before going wildly viral on the Internet mission accomplished, it wasn't actually all that out of line, as Washington Post notes, from other Chirons during that evening's program. Earlier, viewers saw a graphic previewing the Trump speech with, quote, soon Donald Trump speaks after being targeted by Biden's Department of Justice. That same night, about 20 minutes before the wannabe dictator graphic, a segment on special counsel Jack Smith was accompanied by a Chiron reading, quote, a look at the man who's out to get Trump. Another on-screen graphic Tuesday night told viewers, quote, shameful Hillary gloats about her emails as Trump is arraigned in Miami. After the uh, shameful Hillary Clinton linked, uh, uh, tweeted a link to a, quote, but her emails hat. And, of course, it's been going on for years at Fox. Back in January of 2020, as Sean Hannity's show carried the live late-night proceedings for then-President Trump's first impeachment trial, one on-screen banner read, quote, After ramming through bogus impeachment sham, House Dems now moaning about fairness in Senate trial. That's the sort of thing they do. And, of course, it's the sort of thing that goes straight into the center of the brain's of the uh, Trump cultists who watch Fox News. It's very effective brainwashing, frankly. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House uh, hit back uh, during a news briefing on Wednesday, sort of. Not that Fox News viewers would necessarily know it. When asked about that incident, that wannabe dictator incident, she began her remarks by saying, quote, so there are probably about 787 million things that I can say about this that was wrong about what we saw last night. That was a sly reference to the settlement back in April between Dominion Voting Systems and Fox News, in which Fox agreed to pay more than $787 million to Dominion in the uh, defamation lawsuit against them. But uh, listen to how Fox covered that incident at the White House on Wednesday when the press secretary was asked about what Fox News did. Here's how it was covered or wasn't covered. This is exactly how it aired on Wednesday. Listen uh, for the heavy sigh at the end from anchor John Roberts and, of course, the crocodile. Um, Fox News ran a Chiron that uh, referred to the president as a wannabe dictator. And I'm wondering if the White House has any comment on that. So, look, there are probably about 787 million things that I can say about this uh, that was wrong. Uh, about what we saw last night, but I don't think I'm going to get into it. 
There's no comments on why those hands are. I think I just commented. All right, so we'll continue to listen for any of the top stories that she might be addressing in that White House press briefing room. Uh, obviously, as uh, major allegations are wages against the current president, uh, obviously after the arrest of the former president, Donald Trump, uh, we are going to get back in there. Our reporters in the room, and we'll certainly continue to monitor for news out of the White House. A Florida family was caught off guard after discovering a massive crocodile made itself a home in their pool. At two o'clock in the morning. So there you go. Har har har. That's how Very they covered it. News. Yes, we'll cut away. We'll let you know if anything important goes on there. Let's get right to the crocodile. <laughs> anyway, Fox's manipulation of viewers in all of this would actually be hysterically funny if it wasn't so twisted and frankly truly damaging to the American people and to to both the nation as a whole and to the world along with it. Along those lines, by the way, Desi Doyen will have our latest Green News report a bit later this hour. Oh, yes, we will. Not along the lines of you being damaging to the world, but (laughs) along the damage that Fox has done to the world. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, You're welcome. On uh, on Tuesday night, shortly after that wannabe dictator Chiron vanished during Sean Hannity's program, a graphic read, quote, two-tiered justice, I'm sorry, two-tiered system of justice, alive and well. That one didn't get nearly as much attention as the wannabe dictator, but it is also a lie for Donald Trump and the Fox News cult members who are, you know, infected by the Trump mind virus. A lie to make them believe that uh, what happened to Donald Trump is, you know, just outrageous, has never happened to anyone else who did the exact same thing. We've discussed the unequal justice, the two-tiered justice system claims that are coming from Republicans in the wake of a criminal president, God forbid, actually being held accountable for his crimes for the first time in the history of this nation. And the uh, the bogus Trump GOP claims that somehow Trump is being treated differently than Biden or Hillary Clinton, who they claim did the exact same thing. Of course, they did not do the exact same thing. The cases against them are actually nothing like what Donald Trump is now being charged for, which is why even some, some few, but some elected Republican officials, not enough, and many of them are equivocating, but... Uh, perhaps why even some Republican officials are beginning to very little by very little sort of kind of very gently push back against what they know was wrong with what Trump did and why he is being charged for it. Former President Mike Pence said he, quote, can't defend the very serious allegations made against Trump in his federal indictment over the mishandling of classified documents and his obstruction of justice in order to try and hide it. Pence made the comments Tuesday during an interview with the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, marking a reversal for the man uh, still known to many as Hang Mike Pence. Uh, Last week, he said uh, a a DOJ indictment against Trump would send a, quote, terrible message to the world. This week, however, he said, quote, having read the indictment, uh, which, by the way, 
I think very few of the Trump cultures have actually done. Lord knows Fox does not tell them what it actually says. Having read the indictment, said Pence, these are very serious allegations and I can't defend what is alleged, he told the journal. Senate Republican leaders, including Senate, uh, Senator uh, Mitch McConnell, have been staying largely quiet about Trump's latest indictment. That is telling in and of itself. McConnell has said to his GOP colleagues reportedly that he wants his party to turn the page on the former president, whom he reportedly and arguably correctly sees as a flawed general election candidate and a drag on the Senate Republican candidates. The Senate GOP leader's top deputies including uh, Senator uh, Republican Whip John Thune and Senator John Cornyn, have also indicated they don't want uh, Trump to win the party's 2024 presidential nomination. And along with McConnell, they're letting Trump's legal troubles unfold without coming to the former president's defense, at least not now. That in contrast to the Republicans in the House, like Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Majority Leader Steve uh, Scalise, who have both uh, given statements, both gave statements criticizing the Justice Department even before the indictment was unsealed to the public. Former Senator Judd Gregg, Republican of New Hampshire, said, quote, at some point, there's a straw that breaks the camel's back and there's a whole lot of straws on the back of Donald Trump right now. Most Republicans want somebody else, he said. Even Trump people want somebody else. Because they want to win and they recognize Trump is incapable of winning a general election at this point. Now, I don't know if he's right about that, but he may be. And all of this, uh, also Elisa Murkowski and Senator uh, Mitt Romney have both come out against uh, Trump and at least what is uh, detailed in the indictment. So, yeah, it's but it's pretty thin gruel. I do realize that. And we saw, you know, something similar before the uh, I'm sorry, just after the the uh, two indictments. And then, you know, all the Republicans ended up rallying around Donald Trump anyway. But it does show there is the possibility of at least a split emerging in the party. Uh, there are some emerging signs from the GOP electorate as well that they are tiring of all of this. A Reuters Ipsos survey shared on Twitter on Monday found that while the disgraced former president still maintains a commanding lead over the other 2024 GOP candidates, support for Trump among self-identifying Republicans dropped significantly between April 6 and June 9. This seems worth paying attention to. I know it's only one poll, but it anyway, on April 6, Reuters Ipsos found Trump 37 points ahead of his nearest competitor, Ron DeSantis. That was in April. On May 15, that lead had dropped by uh, seven full points to 30-point lead. From 37 points to 30 from April to May. By June, June 9, the day that the federal indictment was unsealed last week, so this was before most folks in the polling had likely even had a chance to uh, read it, much less hear about it, Trump's lead had slipped to just uh, 21 points. Oh, that's a big shift. Now, mind you, 
support for DeSantis had, has not increased in this poll. He had 21 percent in the April poll and just 22 percent in the June polling. So within the easily within the margin of error. But Donald Trump had slipped by a net 16 points over the Florida governor, with support dropping from 58 percent among Republicans back in April to just 43 percent as of early June. At least in this one poll, that's a that's a big slip, actually, in those three months. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that's a good thing. I've long maintained that DeSantis would actually be more difficult to defeat than Donald Trump. But that's just to give you an idea, uh, give you a sense of where things are and that Trump support may not always remain as strong as it currently seems among Republicans. But as to the bogus defenses that uh, he and Fox and the the dead-ender Trump supporters in the House and in the Senate and elsewhere are maintaining for now that somehow, you know, Trump's indictment is a sign of unequal justice, a two-tier justice system. Because Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, who did not commit the crimes that Trump is being charged with, uh, you know, didn't get charged with those crimes uh, in a rather hilarious piece at USA Today this week. Rex Hupke uh, put it this way in a hilarious uh, sort of masterstroke column headlined. I don't want to live in a country where Trump could be held accountable. He writes in part and I'll link to the whole thing from Bradblog.com when I post uh, today's show this evening. He writes. Now that my favorite president, Donald Trump, is facing a 37-count indictment from the feds, I join with my brothers and sisters in MAGA and with all sensible Republicans in saying this. I'm not sure I want to live in a country where a former president can wave around classified documents he's not supposed to have and say, this is secret information, look at this, and then be held accountable for his actions. I mean, what kind of country have we become? One in which federal prosecutors can take so-called evidence before a so-called grand jury, and that grand jury can vote to indict a former president for 37 alleged crimes? Look at all the other people out there in America, including Democrats like Hillary Clinton and President Joe Biden, who haven't been indicted for crimes on the flimsy excuse that there is no evidence that they did the crimes. That's totally unfair. It's like Republican Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin wrote in a tweet Friday, quote, these charges are unprecedented and it's a sad day for our country, especially in light of what clearly appears to be a two tier justice system where some are selectively prosecuted and others are not, unquote. Or as Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee tweeted, quote, where are the investigations against the Clintons and the Bidens? What about fairness? Two tiers of justice at work, she said. Two tiers. One tier in which President Trump keeps getting indicted via both state and federal justice systems, and another in which the people I don't like keep getting not indicted via all the things Fox News tell me that they did wrong. It's like America has become a banana republic. As long as you do as I have done and refuse to look up the definition of banana republic. (laughs) And of course, you know who's behind this travesty of justice, right? It's so-called President Biden, 
who is both frail and senile and also a laser-sharp master at conducting witch hunts. Current special counsel Jack Smith, on the other hand, he's bad news. I know this because Trump has said repeatedly that Smith's investigation is a witch hunt, and I've never known Trump to lie about anything. Now, he writes, I can already hear all the libs out there whining and saying that if it were Biden or Hillary or Hunter Biden getting indicted, I wouldn't be saying a word about two tiers of justice or the weaponization of the Department of Justice or anything like that. Well, those whiners would be right. But the difference is, I believe Biden and Hillary and Hunter are all guilty and they should be locked up for life. Whereas Trump, I believe he is great and innocent and the best president America has ever known. It's like this. If Hillary Clinton got indicted for murder, I would say, yes, she is absolutely a murderer. Lock her up. But if in some outrageous scenario... President Trump were indicted for murder just because he told a bunch of people that he did a murder, I would say, in all caps, how dare you charge this man with murder when others in the U.S. have not been charged with murder? There are clearly two tiers of justice, one in which my favorite president, who said he murdered someone, is charged with murder, and one in which people who haven't murdered are not charged with murder. And that, my friends makes perfect sense to me and my MAGA companions. So, yeah, the two-tiered justice system argument here is uh, obviously nonsense. Obvious to those of us in the reality-based world in, in any way. Uh, you know, to, to all those who have terminal cases of the Trump mind virus from so many years of watching Fox, well, that may be a different matter. But an argument can be made that Trump is actually receiving unequal justice, just not the kind that he and they are pretending that he is receiving. We've mentioned several times now on this program uh, just one example. That is whistleblower reality winner who released one single classified document to the media that is unlawful, it regarded uh, confirmed Russian interference before the 2016 election. And she received, for releasing that one classified document, a sentence of five years and three months for doing so. That's the longest such sentence on record for such a crime. Her attorney, Allison Grinter Allen, had a few words about unequal justice on Chris Hayes' program on MSNBC this week. I guess I should start by asking how this all looks to you as someone who represents uh, someone who did an incredibly long sentence for her single willful retention and then dissemination of a, of a classified document. I mean, th thank you so much for having me. I'm going to be honest with you, Chris. I mean, it looks amazing. I didn't know that the Justice Department had a red carpet to roll out. It looks fantastic. And we'd like to have that sort of treatment if we could. So this does not look to you like, from your perspective and representing your client, like this is a DOJ dead set on sticking it to, a, to the individual who is named in this indictment. Oh, I mean, this, this looks like a DOJ and, and, in fact, a whole justice system that is bent on 
giving him as much of the benefit of the doubt as possible. And, I mean, that is a stark contrast to to what Reality Winner faced. It's a stark contrast to what any of my clients have have seen in the Department of Justice and in the justice system. I mean, it's it def- <laughs> the idea that someone would be charged with espionage and then yet be able to travel internationally. Mm-hmm. It's that, I mean, it's bonkers. It defies logic. It's and and that kind of consideration isn't applied to. Well, I mean, I haven't seen it applied to anybody. She's correct. Oh, yes. It is not applied to anybody. It is not applied to anybody charged with even one of the 37 crimes that Donald Trump has been charged with. Who is uh, Donald Trump receiving unequal justice? Yes, from the system. He is receiving far better justice, far better treatment unequally than virtually anyone who has ever come before the justice system in our nation's history, perhaps for any crime. You're welcome, Donald. Enjoy it while it lasts. Let's hope it doesn't. Let's take a break and we'll come back with some shockingly good news from the courts, including from the Supreme Court and some helpful thoughts on idiots. Plus, Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. That's all straight ahead today. I'm Brad Friedman and you are clever enough to be listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever, if you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com slash donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Don't want to be an American idiot. Mm, Not easy. Welcome back to Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I will get to uh, some advice momentarily for how to uh, uh, avoid an American, how to spot and avoid an American idiot. Uh, But first, I I don't know, as I said at the top of the show, I don't know what's going on right now at our far-right, wholly corrupted U.S. Supreme Court. They keep (laughs) making good, not idiotic decisions as this year's term ends, which uh, I fear, as uh, Desi observed at the top, also means that there may be some really bad decisions still to come before the term ends. Yeah, some big uh, nasty shoes may be about to drop. Yeah, but for now, for now, let's 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 take the good while it lasts and enjoy it. Uh, Last week, as we reported, the Supreme Court sort of stunned everyone by voting five to four with a majority opinion written by Chief Justice John Roberts, a longtime enemy of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, to keep a critical element of that landmark act in place to block Republican racial gerrymanders that will effectively mandate 
an extra black majority U.S. House district in Alabama and a bunch of uh, several other states. Also last week, the court ruled seven to two in an opinion written by Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson that maintains the private right to sue states who misapply federal Medicaid provisions. That's a a huge blow, frankly, to those who had been hoping to use that case to try and dismantle Medicaid. Of course, the irreparably corrupt Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito both dissented in that case. And today, more good news, remarkably enough, from the Supreme Court. The uh, the court on Thursday preserved the system that gives preference to Native American families in foster care and adoption proceedings of Native children, rejecting a broad attack from some Republican-led states and white families who argue that it is uh, based on race. The court left in place the 1978 Indian Child Welfare Act, which was enacted to address concerns that Native children were being separated from their families and too frequently placed into non-Native homes. Tribal leaders have backed the law as a means of preserving their families, traditions, and cultures and had warned that a broad ruling against the tribes could have undermined their ability to govern themselves. Before the Indian Child Welfare Act was enacted, between 25 and 35 percent of Native American children were being taken from their homes and placed with adoptive families in foster care or in institutions. Most were placed with white families or in boarding schools in attempts to assimilate them. The issues are complicated, wrote Justice Amy Coney Barrett. For the court's seven to two majority that included the court's three liberals and four of its six conservatives. But she wrote, quote, the bottom line is that we reject all of petitioners challenges to the statute. They just rejected it outright. Yep. And of course, the uh, the uh, two right-wing justices. Can you guess who they were? Yes, Justices Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito dissented, each writing that Congress lacks the authority to interfere <laughs> with foster care placements and adoptions. The decision, Alito wrote, quote, disserves the rights and interests of these children. Oh, yes, I'm sure he is very worried about best serving the children. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think it's important yeah. to point out that I think at the at heart that this ruling is about who gets to decide, mm -hmm. who gets to decide, the states mm -hmm. or the tribal governments. And uh, Mark Joseph Stern, he wrote at Slate that um, the lawsuit, uh, Brakeen, was designed to strip away Congress's overall power to mm -hmm. protect Native people and their land from exploitation by states and corporations. So he gets at the context of what's going Going on beneath this lawsuit. He says, for that reason, corporate attorneys lined up to support these plaintiffs, mm -hmm. pouring money into the effort to subvert tribal sovereignty, to dismantle this law mm -hmm. in order to enable corporations and states to come in and do some more plundering, yeah. which, you know, they were very good at in the past before this law stopped them. So if you take away this right and this sovereign tribal government authority, then you open up to be able to do that in other sectors as well. So basically, the Supreme Court shockingly, shockingly decided to yes. uphold a law that strictly limits states' own authority to interfere with tribal affairs. 
uh, shockingly good news. And yes. and thank you for pointing that out. And I know this decision, actually, given your family background, mm-hmm. uh, you know, means quite a lot. And the fact that yes. the right wingers on the court did not fall for it did not uh, you know fall for the the corporate lawyers arguments right. is is stunning yes so uh, really is, is the scotus okay <laughs> and just how bad are the decisions that are still to come before this year's term ends uh at the end of the month that these decisions these good news decisions are now happening Among the decisions to worry about, one that could dismantle, for example, affirmative action for uh, college admissions and, of course, on the independent state legislature theory, which could throw the entire 2024 presidential election into utter havoc and chaos as it would throw power for uh, every election law decision back to the gerrymandered state legislatures in in Republican states. Yep. But for today, anyway, let's enjoy the good news. Uh, And let's add to it some good news that I haven't been able to get to uh, at the lower court level over the past couple of weeks. A federal judge ruled earlier this month that Tennessee's law restricting drag performances in public or where children were present was unconstitutional. Oh, do you think? That struck a blow to Republican efforts in the U.S. states to regulate LGBTQ conduct. That, of course, is what the GOP is trying to do all over the country, where they have gerrymandered state legislatures to allow these sorts of unconstitutional laws to be enacted. That from the party that pretends to be in favor of freedom of freedom of speech and of the Constitution itself, when, in fact, they have become the party in favor of the exact opposite of those personal freedoms enshrined in the Constitution. In February this year, Republican Tennessee Governor Bill Lee had signed the bill that was passed by the state's Republican Majority Assembly aimed at restricting drag performances, putting the state at the forefront of a Republican-led effort to limit drag in at least 15 states in recent months. That's some party of freedom, huh? Uh, U.S. District Judge Thomas Parker, an appointee of (laughs) of former Republican President Donald Trump, ruled that the law was, quote, both unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad. Simply put, he wrote, no majority of the Supreme Court has held that sexually explicit but not obscene speech receives less protection than political, artistic or scientific speech, Parker said in his 70 page ruling. Under the law, offenders could face fines and up to a year in prison and repeat offenders could have faced prison sentences of up to six years. For a dude putting on a dress and singing a song or something. Uh, Republican lawmakers across the country have introduced more than 500 bills this year ahead of the 2024 elections attempting to regulate the conduct of gay and transgender people, ranging from what can be taught in schools to bathroom use and medical care. Other than that, you know, that's the the Republican Party that hates regulations and loves freedom because, after all, they will tell you so themselves. Indeed, you have the freedom to live and clothe and speak and express yourself only as Republicans order you to do. There you go. 
Now, please note uh, that to date, pretty much all of the Republican candidates for the GOP presidential nomination next year are actually supporting bills exactly like this, especially Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has been signing one such bill after another after another over the past months and years as he laughably ran for re-election just last year using the tagline that, quote, freedom lives in Florida. Seriously. Well, uh, it might live in Florida, but that is no thanks to Ron DeSantis. For the moment, it is thanks to a federal judge in Florida who has, for now, put a stop to at least one portion of one of DeSantis's cruelest freedom-crushing measures, saying that uh, gender identity is real. A federal judge has temporarily blocked portions of a new Florida law that bans transgender minors from receiving gender-affirming care, such as puberty blockers, ruling that the state has no rational basis for denying patients treatment. Judge Robert Hinkle issued a preliminary injunction saying three transgender children can, thankfully, continue receiving treatment. The lawsuit challenges the law that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signed just before he announced his run for president. Quote, the elephant in the room should be noted at the outset, wrote the judge. Gender identity is real. The record makes this clear. He added, that's true. Uh, even a witness for the state actually agreed to that point. Transgender medical treatment for minors is increasingly under attack in many states. It's been subject to restrictions or outright bans in Republican states, but it has been available in the U.S., for more than a decade and is endorsed by major medical associations. The attempt to ban it, however, as Republicans are attempting to have big government come between you and medical decisions that you uh, and you make for your children. And by the way, uh, decisions made by adults for themselves with some of their new laws, including this one, also attempting to do that as well to have the government come in and decide what medical care you can or can't have. Writing about the ruling this week at bradblog.com, our legal contributor Ernie Canning noted that Judge Hinkle found that this cruel law was likely to cause irreparable harm to the three child plaintiffs in the case, citing uh, one of them, the lead plaintiff, an 11-year-old transgender girl known as Susan Doe, uh, who underscored that conclusion. Judge Hinkle wrote that the, quote, adolescent children, the plaintiffs, will suffer irreparable harm, the unwanted and irreversible, irreversible progression of puberty in their natal sex, the one that they were assigned at birth, if they do not promptly begin their planned treatment. The treatment, the court concluded, will affect the patients themselves and nobody else as gender-affirming care does not harm either society or the defendants in this case. From a young age, the decision recites, Susan Doe, quote, consistently told her mother that she was a girl. She experienced extreme anxiety and distress about wearing boys' clothing. Wearing girls' clothing made her happy, glowing, and sincere. Susan, it turns out, is not only known as a girl by her school peers, 
but is also described as a female in her government-issued ID. All of her medical uh, providers determined, according to the judge, that GnRH agonists, the puberty blockers, will be medically necessary when she begins puberty. But the new statute and rules would force her to go through male puberty. This will out her as a transgender uh, as a transgender person to her peers and will have devastating physical, emotional and psychological effect. Hinkle wrote, can you imagine she has been living all of her life, essentially, with her, you know, going to school as a girl. All of her uh, friends or the other students at the school believe that she is a girl, treat her as a girl. Her government ID says she is a girl. And yet Ron DeSantis feels that uh, he should decide how her medical treatment goes. Very soon, very soon. She will uh, begin to uh, reach puberty, and all of a sudden, she will become physically a boy if she is not allowed to take the medicine, the, the, the treatment that medical professionals have prescribed for her. And Florida Republicans want to insert themselves into this medical treatment and decide the future of this girl's life, life without even knowing her. The future him. of her life. Susan Doe, an 11-year-old. Republicans want to decide that. It is so cruel. It is just so cruel. But I think that is the very point of some of these laws. But the, the good news for now, for the moment in Florida, uh, you know, is that this has been this law has been temporarily enjoyed enjoined at least this part of the law. But this this is the freedom that Republicans like to pretend that they believe in? Really? Is this the small government that they pretend to love? Did they forget their own outrage that they used to pretend to have regarding things like Obamacare and their claims at the time that this would put the government between a patient and their doctor when making decisions? Did they forget all about that? Of course, they haven't forgotten. They've just decided that the cruelty is somehow their ticket to gaining or maintaining power. But of course, they are idiots. And hopefully, despite uh, the disinformation that so many Americans receive from the corporate news media each day, hopefully enough of them will notice that these people are cruel idiots to somehow help us all turn the tide in this country. At least if they learn about these, at least if they know about these things, how many uh, you know news media outlets are actually explaining these concerns, ex actually explaining these decisions and what they mean to people like 11-year-old Susan Doe? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I am stunned when I talk to people how much they do not know. And frankly, there are people who they are, you know, people who are not idiots, but they are just people who are not being informed, who are being ill served by our nation's media, which is where we come in, which is where we try to do what we try to do every day <laughs> over your public airwaves. Thanks to your support, your listener support at brandblog.com slash donate. But I can only hope that enough of them will understand what's going on here. 
with this cruel party that they will try to help finally turn the tide in this country. Uh, where the courts, at least for the moment, have brought us some decidedly good news in recent weeks. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. As to the idiots, uh, beginning with a quote from Dwight Schrute, a character from the sitcom The Office, Illinois' Democratic governor, J.B. Pritzker, had a few remarks in his commencement address at Northwestern University this week that I think are worth keeping in mind as we move forward uh, with the good advice on how to spot an idiot. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. (laughs) Dwight Schrute. The entire efficacy of this incredibly useful piece of information hinges upon your ability to pick the right idiot. I wish there was a foolproof way to spot idiots, but counterintuitively, some idiots are very smart. They can, they can dazzle you with words and misdirection. They can get promoted above you at work. They can even be elected president. If you want to be successful in this world, you have to develop your own idiot detection system. As part of the responsibilities of being your commencement speaker, I'm going to share mine. Sure, I'm naturally suspicious of people who never saw the original Star Wars movies, and even more cautious of people who loved the prequels and the sequels. But I admit, this is not a reliable idiot indicator. No. The best way to spot an idiot, look for the person who is cruel. Let me explain. When we see someone who doesn't look like us, or sound like us, or act like us, or love like us, or live like us, the first thought that crosses almost everyone's brain is rooted in either fear or judgment, or both. That's evolution. We survived as a species by being suspicious of things that we aren't familiar with. In order to be kind, we have to shut down that animal instinct and force our brain to travel a different pathway. Empathy and compassion are evolved states of being. They require the mental capacity to step past our most primal urges. This may be a surprising assessment because somewhere along the way in the last few years, our society has come to believe that weaponized cruelty is part of some well-thought-out master plan. Cruelty is seen by some as an adroit cudgel to gain power. Empathy and kindness are considered weak. Many important people look at the vulnerable only as rungs on a ladder to the top. I'm here to tell you that when someone's path through this world is marked with acts of cruelty, they have failed the first test of an advanced society. They never forced their animal brain to evolve past its first instinct. They never forged new mental pathways to overcome their own instinctual fears. And so, Their thinking and problem-solving will lack the imagination and creativity that the kindest people have in spades. Over my many years in politics and business, I have found one thing to be universally true. 
the kindest person in the room is often the smartest. Wow. Smart uh, advice from Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois at Northwestern University this week. Well said. The Green News Report is straight ahead on another smart and kind broadcast. <laughs> I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Okay, speaking of good news from the courts, I uh, and I don't know if we, I don't know if this, if we'll have a good decision from uh, this particular court, but uh, a landmark case is now underway in Montana. Yep. Concerning climate change and just the fact that it has gotten to trial, that it has reached trial, that is already uh, good news. I think. Yes, it is. As discussed by uh, Desi Doyen, no American idiot. She in <laughs> our latest. Green News Report. There's no safe level of, of wildfire smoke inhalation for anyone. Raging Canadian wildfires threaten summer of smoke on both sides of the border. The fish simply can't breathe. Tens of thousands of dead fish wash up on a Texas beach. Plus... What do you want the state of Montana to do differently? They just need to take steps to mitigate their fossil fuel emissions. Montana Kids' landmark climate lawsuit gets underway, putting the state on trial for failing to address climate change. All of those failures and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I just wonder, like, how would you guys get electricity out here if there wasn't fossil fuel usage? Wind, solar, Renewable energy. Is this your first day in the media, lady? Man, this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, how, oh how, are we possibly going to get electricity if we don't use fossil fuels. It's just unthinkable, I guess. Apparently in Montana, the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. And that lady is from Vice News. No wonder they're going out of business. What do you got for us today, Des? <laughs> well, first, Canada is still battling a truly unprecedented fire season, fighting 461 active fires that have burned nearly 20,000 square miles so far, driven by unseasonably hot and dry conditions. The Dangerous smoke from the fires is triggering new air quality alerts on both sides of the border, including across the entire upper Midwest this week in the United States. During the recent smoke event in New York City, hospital emergency room visits spiked for asthma complications and respiratory illnesses. In an AP interview, Dr. Lauren Wold of Ohio State University warned that the smoke is likely to persist all summer. We're seeing exceptionally high levels. Um, in the last couple days uh, because of these wildfires. And unfortunately, these levels will likely remain high 
until the fires are out. Also in Canada, in Alberta, farmers are warning of an imminent wheat crop failure due mm. to the same prolonged drought that is exacerbating the wildfires. In the Arctic, a new study warns that the North Pole is likely to lose its summer sea ice in the 2030s. That's about 40 years earlier than scientists previously predicted due to accelerating man-made global warming. A growing body of evidence links loss of Arctic sea ice to a slowdown in the jet stream, which in turn is increasing the intensity of extreme weather events across the Northern Hemisphere. And by the way, that's almost exactly what a report that Al Gore had cited had warned about decades ago at this point, and right-wingers have been beating him up for it ever since. Looks like he was uh, right again. Yep, it does. And in Antarctica, scientists are also sounding new alarms over the consequences of ice loss, which new evidence indicates is slowing down a critical deep-sea current that could have potentially profound implications for the global climate and marine life. In Texas, pretty bad and stinky. A popular beach south of Houston this week was closed after tens of thousands of dead fish washed ashore due to lack of oxygen, according to wildlife officials. That's because warming waters have less capacity to hold dissolved oxygen, and a new first of its kind study warns that the same mechanism is also triggering mass fish kills in lakes. The researchers found that hundreds of lakes in the U.S. and Europe are also warming also losing oxygen and mass fish kills are becoming more common as global warming boosts lake temperatures. In the U.S. House, the Republican majority passed a bill that has zero chance of becoming law in order to block the Consumer Product Safety Commission from setting safety standards for natural gas-fired stoves, which studies confirm are significant sources of indoor air pollution. A recent investigation uncovered internal documents showing how gas stove manufacturers have known since the 1970s about gas stove air pollution. NPR reports that in the 1980s, stove manufacturers developed a cleaner and more efficient burner, but never manufactured the new technology because it cost more and because consumers weren't demanding it. Finally, some good news. A landmark youth climate lawsuit is now underway in a Montana courtroom, the first in the U.S. to make it to trial. Sixteen young plaintiffs allege that state officials, by prioritizing development of fossil fuels, are violating the kids' rights to a clean and healthful environment that's enshrined in the state constitution. The Republican-controlled state just enacted a law barring state agencies from considering emissions or climate change in environmental review of proposed projects, lead plaintiff Ricky Held explained to Vice News why the kids took action. My generation and kids now, we can't wait for the next one to come along and fix this. But how, oh how, will they ever be able to get electricity without fossil fuels? For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh. <laughs> That's how we'll do it. Yes. I get it now. 
Now, I just want Thank to point out, yes, yes that yes. the vice reporter that did that story yes. on, in Montana. Who I was mercilessly cruel yes, to there. And yeah. mocking, yes, yes. She did actually a very good job. I highly recommend the report. We've linked to it at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Except for that dumb question of how are you going to get energy out here? How are you going to get electricity out here? And that was really fuel? the only misstep that she made All in right. the entire thing. But I also want and to And I had out, to pull it out and show it to everyone, didn't I? All <laughs> yes, right, you go did. Ahead. But it was funny. Um, but I also want to point out yeah. that the oral arguments of that trial have begun. Yeah. And they have had those children up on the stand as nice. witnesses discussing how, for example, they can't... Uh, a young athlete, for example, has to use an inhaler and often has to stay out of practice because wildfires are causing mm-hmm. him to not be able to breathe. But an official for Montana, literally in the trial, called the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, you know, those big climate reports yeah. where they assess all yep. of the science that has yep. happened up to now that proves climate change is real and is yep. happening and is dangerous, yep. called it hearsay. <laughs> in court. Is that right? Called it hearsay. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, it's just hearsay. I don't think that's going to go over well with the judge. We'll, we'll see. We will see. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, all right. We have uh, got to get out. My thanks, of course, to Desi Doyen, our producer. My yep. thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always an honor. It's always appreciated. Thank you very much. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com along with every show we have ever done uh, that is made possible only by listeners like you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate for some reason ExxonMobil has still not taken our invitations to become a sponsor of this program I don't understand it I don't get it uh, so you can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at the Brad Blog. You can find Desi Doyen and her Green News Report as yep. well on Facebook, Twitter, or Mastodon at Green News Report. Very good. You and remember. by the way, you can find both the Bradcast and Green News Report now on additional podcast sites. Now that I have fixed Stitcher, they are both available there. And uh, Pandora is carrying both pan, uh, Bradcast and Green News Report. All right, that's it. We got to get out. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1937. That was the day anti-union violence erupted in the Valley of Steel. The Little Steel strike was then in its 20th day. The strike had spread to Bethlehem's Cambrea Works in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Newspaper headlines screamed, 30 clubbed, stabbed, shot in strike. Guerrilla warfare breaks out anew in Pennsylvania. The day had been marred by hours of fighting with scabs and the police.
police as miners joined picketers in support. Strikers lobbed rocks at scab cars attempting to drive through picket lines and successfully overturned a number of vehicles. Steel-helmeted police attacked strikers, swinging riot clubs and launching tear gas shells. One picketer, Tony Mandos, was in critical condition after having been shot twice by police. Mayor Daniel Shields announced he had deputized 250 special police and was preparing to, quote, raise an army of 3,000 American Legionnaires by nightfall to protect the city of Johnstown from strikers. At Warren, Ohio, dynamite crippled railroad operations at a struck Republic Steel Mill on the Ashtabula Niles branch of the Pennsylvania Railroad. The explosion came after carloads of raw material had been shunted in and products shipped out of the mill. Auto plants throughout the Midwest slowed production for lack of steel-made parts. UAW President Homer Martin dispatched a telegram to CIO leader John L. Lewis saying, quote, We are standing by ready to refuse to use steel made in struck plants in the production of automobiles, unless the steel companies make a speedy and amicable settlement with the striking steelworkers. The CIO threatened a 20,000-strong strike support rally through the streets of Johnstown to protest the violence. They claimed victory when the governor quickly declared martial law and padlocked the gates of the Cambria Works. 